last few days, how often the term reflect or reflection has come up in conversations and in different things. And, you know, even up on the stage this morning, you know, people were talking about, you know, reflecting on what was 2019 like. Was it good? Was it bad? You know, like we all have different years. And so as we near, we've only got a couple of days left in the year of 2019. Have you any of you noticed that? We're almost at the end of 2019. Only a couple more days. And it's good to reflect on that year. The good, the bad, the exciting, the challenges that have come, the room for improvement, goal setting, etc. You know, I thought about my 2019. It was a real mixture of a year. Early in the year, in February, I got to go to India with my daughter, Kerry, and we got to minister to hundreds of people over there. That was exciting. And then throughout the year after that, I had numerous little physical health issues that were annoying. Just little things. Fractured my little toe. Got a plantar wart under my foot. Got an abscess under the plantar wart that had to be cut out. <laughs> got hernias that are still yet to be dealt with. Then got stung by a jellyfish that infected my thumb. So it went from an amazing time in India to a really annoying physical time over the year. Work itself, I found pretty stressful this year and difficult at times. And so it was a real mixture of a year as I reflect and look back on it and think, you know, if someone said, you know, someone asked that question, what was 2019 like? I couldn't put it in one word because it was such a mixture of exciting, amazing, annoying, you know, all those things mixed together. And sadness, you know, tension, stress, all sorts of things, a real mixture of what was happening in my life. <clears throat> There's a saying that says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And it's actually attributed to Einstein, but I, in my reading this week, it actually says there's no substantive evidence that it was actually him that either wrote or spoke these words. Insanity is repeating the same mistakes and expecting different results. Or if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Do you know this year... At Christmas time, one of the gifts I was given was this little journal. And once again, the word reflection appears because it says 52 weeks of reflection. And I'm going to use that this year. But what I did, I was just sitting down the other day and, you know, like you have a sneak peek at what's the year going to hold for you, you know, as such. It's not like that. But the very first thing that was written in this journal was written, well, was a, was a saying by Aristotle that said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And I looked at it and I went, what? Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom? And straight away I went, uh-uh. Now I'm sitting there going, that's not right. I thought, you've got that wrong. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And I'm sitting there going, so Aristotle thinks knowing myself is the beginning of all wisdom. The Bible tells me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
And straight away, and I thought about James, because I always love the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all men generously and without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So I sat there and I thought about what it was that Aristotle had said, where he said, Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And I had to sit there and ponder for a minute, having gone from there to the Bible to what God had said. And I thought, well, there's probably a partial truth in it, partially. I thought, it's actually probably a good start to know yourself. Because it's what's in yourself, it's what's in and resides in your heart that reflects your character. And sometimes it's good to actually know what's within you. You know, we can clearly see our physical aspects in a mirror. You know, the, the person who's proud and arrogant and thinks they're the, the greatest and the handsomest, you know, they're going to look in the mirror and they're going to be like, well, I look handsome, I look smart, you know, that little song, I'm a walking work of art, you know. Some people can stand in the mirror and look like that. You can see them, you know. You see them on TV, wherever, you know. They're, they're looking, you know, pristine. They think they are anyway. They think they're great. And then you have the person who perhaps has a very poor self-image and they look in the mirror and you get a completely different look. You know, their heads will look down. They don't even want to look at what's there. You know, they just... And if they do see what's there, they just think, oh, that looks awful, that's terrible. doesn't matter how they're dressed, how their hair's done... They'll never be able to see, well, they don't think they'll ever be able to see themselves as someone who looks good. And so even though the mirror is, can reflect our physical, you know, I can stand in the mirror and I can look there and go, okay, last year I lost a whole lot of weight in 2018. This year I put some of that back on. It's pretty obvious. It'll go again in 2020. But it's very easy in a mirror to look and to see what actually there is on our physical side of things. Well, you could look in the water in a lake, you can put your head down, you can see how your face looks. You know, you can wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, oh gosh, how did those wrinkles get there overnight? You know, how did those grey hairs turn up from yesterday to today? But in reality, it took a lot more years than that. Sadly for some of us anyway. Sometimes it comes a bit quicker for others. But if we take time to examine our inner self, our inner being, and our inner thoughts of our heart, this gives us a much more accurate indication of where we stand spiritually. And it allows us to honestly assess really our life whether our life is or isn't a true representation of Jesus Christ, or whether we're just putting on a facade or a mask, like a pretense and pretending to be Christ-like. Have you ever noticed that it's always easier to find fault in someone else? You know, you can look at a person or get to know a person and you think, oh, they're just lazy. Or, oh, that person's just so rude. Or, oh, gee, that person's grumpy. That one's always angry, you know. And it's so easy sometimes to look at the faults in someone else. 
But we need to identify areas in our own heart, in our own hearts, that we need to bring before the Lord and find ways to change where necessary. Because it's actually what is within our hearts that others see through our words and our actions. If we're truly committed to the Lord and if we've got Jesus Christ living within, then hopefully our everyday lives reflect Christ-likeness. I brought my teapot with me today. This is one of very many that I own. Those who know me know that I have a teapot collection. It's two shelves. I don't know how wide. Two actually shelf units wide and about four or five shelves on each. But this one was given to me back in October. In October, I resigned from my job and work gave me a gift which actually also consisted of a teapot. But one of the ladies I've worked with for the last seven years gave me this one. It's really pretty. I love it. It's even got a beautiful pretty lid. It's got even a pattern on the lid that's cut out. But do you know what? It's not the teapot itself that has meant the most to me in that gift. It's actually what came inside the teapot. And inside the teapot, if I can get my hand in and out, were lots and lots of little notes like this. Quite a few of them. And I'm not going to read them all out to you, but I want to read a few to you. Well, I'm going to read out what they said. Because this is what meant more to me than the actual teapot itself. The little note said, things I will fondly remember. You always listened, even when it was hard to listen to me. You were and are always thoughtful. How hard you worked and what a great job you did. How you did things you didn't really want to because I asked. Thank you. You were always nice to me, even when I was horrible. You always cared. I am so lucky to have worked with you, to know you. Don't be a stranger. Now, I've only read out the nice things that were in there to you. I'm not going to read out the horrible ones. <laughs> but actually, there weren't any horrible ones in there. And you know, I know this lady. I've worked with her for seven years. So I do believe that what she wrote is what she felt in her heart because I know she's not a person that's going to write those things if she didn't mean them. And it meant so much to me because I thought, having worked with someone closely for seven years, and, you know, you have your struggles at work, you have your times of differences, you know, you have to talk things through at time. But after seven years... When I sat down and I read those little notes, I sort of laughed and cried all at the same time. A lot of the other ones are things that only she and I would probably laugh at because they were jokes between the two of us. But I thought, this is what that lady saw in me. You know, you go to work, you do your job, you do your best. But when I read those things, I thought, isn't that amazing that that's what she saw? All those little things about being caring, being thoughtful. She didn't tell me what a brilliant person I was doing at my job or how great I was at, you know, doing enrolments for children or how wonderful I was at filing or whatever. 
It was very much based on what she saw in my person, my inner being. And that's what meant the most to me. And so when I thought about that little saying by Aristotle in the journal and it said, you know, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom, I thought sometimes we need to look at ourselves and know what are we portraying? What are we shining out? What are we reflecting in regards to the Lord Jesus? So sometimes we do need to know ourselves, but we need to examine our hearts and our thoughts, but it needs to be done through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what Aristotle misses out in his little saying. He might have it partially right, but he's not discerning it from the right place. You know, the Word of God is really the benchmark, isn't it, so to speak, as to how we should live. Like the Bible is really our guideline of who we should be, how we should be, how we should live. And so we need to ensure that in our lives... Our life, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes all line up with the Word of God because it's God's Word that is truth. You know, yesterday morning, I've got this little notebook, one of those things you flip over each day, and yesterday as I flipped it over in the morning, it said, we do not always have to do as much as we have to be. And it continued to say, as we have to be our God-created, celebrated, one-of-a-kind self. But it really hit me when it said, we do not have to do as much as we have to be. Because I thought it's really what we are being is what's going to shine out. I can do lots of things. But the being comes from within, doesn't it? And the things that we do come from the being from within. So I really actually liked that when I saw it. And then I asked myself a question. So, you know, I've read the little notes about what someone saw in me and I thought, well, if I ask myself a question, when I look at another person's life, what is it about them that reflects Jesus Christ to me? You know, when I meet someone, how do I know that, you know, they're a person who is reflecting the love of God and has Jesus in their heart? And some of the things that came to my mind were these things. Honesty, humility, loving, caring, unselfishness, kindness, being a good listener, being interested in me and other people, not just themselves. Patience, compassion, compassionate, generous with time and resources and helpful. And obviously amidst all of that, you know, probably speaking about the Lord But if it was without words, what things would I see? And they were the things I thought that I would see. And I thought about it and I thought a lot of those words, when you think about it, come from the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And Matthew 7, 16 says, by their fruit, you will know them. So we want to know that our lives are reflecting Jesus Christ through the fruits of the Spirit. Because it says, by the fruits, they will know them. Other people will know us by the fruits of the Spirit. You know, 
And I wanted to talk about an example of someone in the Bible. I wanted to give an example and I was thinking, you know, there's different ones. Um, But I've gone into the Old Testament and I just want to share a little bit from the book of Ruth about a man named Boaz. Now, I'm not going to read it all to you. It's four chapters long. So what I've done is just gone through and I'm just going to share a few things that happened with Boaz and Ruth and some of the words that came to mind as I was reading them. Because I felt that this was a person who reflects the heart. So the story starts, Naomi, she'd left Bethlehem with her husband and she had her two sons and daughter-in-laws and her two sons died, her husband died and she was left with her two daughter-in-laws. And Naomi decided that she would go back to Bethlehem from where she had come and the two daughter-in-laws were saying, we'll come with you and she said, no, no. But one of the daughter-in-laws didn't. But her daughter-in-law, Ruth, did insist on going back to Bethlehem with her. And when they arrived, it was barley harvest time. So they arrived just in the beginning of that. And Naomi had a relative there on her husband's side whose name was Boaz. And so during this time, out in the fields where the barley harvest was happening, Ruth would go out, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, and... Ruth would go out and she would glean the barley and the harvest there. And the things I saw in this, and we're going to continue, but what happened was Boaz would arrive and he would greet the harvesters and he would say to them, the Lord be with you. And I thought, can you imagine your employer coming up in the mornings when you got to work and greeting the employees and saying, the Lord be with you? Wouldn't that be amazing? And I thought... Wow, Boaz greeted them, the Lord be with you. So you could tell that he was a godly man, but he was also friendly. Someone who's not friendly is not likely to do that. And then Boaz inquired after Ruth about who she was. So you could see that he was interested in another person. In verse 8, it says, Boaz said to Ruth, don't go and glean in another field, watch the field and follow after the girls. So he was being kind and protective of Ruth when he was saying that, so that she could stay in that particular field. In verse 9, he says, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink. That's considerate, generous. Some jobs wouldn't let you walk out the door to go and get a drink, you know. Verse 10 Boaz explains that he had heard what Ruth had done for Naomi. So he's obviously been interested to find out what's been happening and what she'd been doing. Verse 13, Ruth asks Boaz for continued favour. And I thought for Boaz to give that favour, you have to be caring. You have to be compassionate in those situations. Verse 14, Boaz offered Ruth food. Again, he was kind and generous. In verse 15, Boaz tells the harvesters to leave some of the sheaves for Ruth to pick up. So rather than her having to go and collect heaps and heaps and heaps, he was telling the others to leave some on the ground for her to go and pick up. He was caring. He was compassionate. It was also in those few chapters that Ruth had also worked hard. And she was generous and kind and she had been giving some of this barley to her mother-in-law, Naomi. 
And then Naomi told Ruth that Boaz was actually a close relative of theirs. He was what they call a kinsman redeemer, which would allow them to really take Ruth on as a wife in regards to family. But the story goes that Ruth went to lie with Boaz, but Boaz actually told her that there was a closer kinsman redeemer than he So he actually was honest. He was being open and honest with her, telling the truth. Some man might just say, come with me. But he knew that he wasn't the first one with the rights, in a sense, to her. Verse 17, Boaz also provided six measures of barley for Naomi because he didn't want Ruth to go back empty-handed to Naomi. So again, he was generous. He was caring Then we get to chapter 4. And Boaz went to the other kinsman redeemer and he told him the truth about the sale of the land and of Ruth. He was being honest. Some people wouldn't have done that. And then the kinsman redeemer told Boaz to buy the land and to take Ruth as his wife. And that would be in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that the name would not disappear from the, among the family or from the town records. So once again, Boaz was being kind, he was considerate, he was wise in getting permission to be that person. And in chapter 4, verse 13, it was through the marriage of Boaz and Ruth that the line of David was able to continue so that the prophecy would be fulfilled with the birth of Jesus who would be coming, our Redeemer. So there's a whole heap of chapters in there and if you've never read them, go and read them. But what I'm trying to show today that Boaz was a man who was reflecting God's heart through all of those things, his love, his caring attitude, his honesty, his compassion, his kindness, his generosity, um, all those things, the kindness... And his actions and words were actually reflecting what God's heart would be showing. So a question today is, what do we need to do in order to reflect Christ through our lives and in our lives? And I've used the word look as the answer. We need to reflect on our own lives. And the question there is, when you look, and when you look at your reflection, what do you see? What do you see in your life? And I use the anagram look, and I've got four things that I'm going to um, share with you. And the L from look is for listen. So when you're reflecting on your own life, listen to your inner self. What are you feeling? What are you hearing? Are you, what are you hearing? Be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, I have an example of when I wasn't earlier in the year and I feel really bad about it and I have asked God for forgiveness. But one day I was driving from our place down towards the Night Owl Centre, so from the highway, say from the airport down to the Night Owl Centre and outside the area where the cinemas would be upstairs, but down on the road on the highway. Just on the footpath on the edge there, there's a bit of cement footpath and there's a bit of grass. And as I was driving along, I think I was just heading up to the coffee club or somewhere, I noticed a person lying on the ground with their arms and legs outstretched on the grass. And 
my head said straight away, I hope that person's okay. And as I was driving past, I'm looking and I'm thinking, I think they're moving, I think they're okay. Should I stop? And I thought, no, I think actually they're just, I think it was near a bus stop, I think they're just waiting for a bus lying in the sun. And I thought, should I stop, shouldn't I? No. And I kept going. Now I'd been, wherever I'd been, if I'd had a coffee at the coffee club or somewhere, and then I was driving back home. And as I was driving back home, I noticed there was an ambulance there with that person. Now this was probably an hour later. And gee, my heart sank. I thought, why did you not stop an hour ago and call an ambulance and check if that person was okay? You know, that day, I don't feel like the Lord was being reflected in my life because I was too selfish to stop. Or for what reason, I don't really know. I think there were reasons going through my head. What if they're drunk? What if this? What if that? But do you know what? I know in my heart of hearts that I should have stopped that day and seen if that person was okay. And as far as I know, they are okay now. But um, it made me realise how much we need to be aware of what do we portray in our lives through our actions and the things that we do. And to me, that was not a good example. (laughs) Not a good example of portraying Christ's love at all. So we need to listen. Listen to what our voice is saying. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Listen to the way we're speaking and acting. The O in the word look stands for observe. What is happening in your own life? How are you speaking? How are you acting? How are you feeling and how does this affect other people? You know, in relationships, in situations, you know, at work, whatever it is, is the way you respond to situations or things that are happening, is that actually affecting the atmosphere where you are or around you? You know, in the workplace, you know, as I said, you know, there's often disagreements at home or in the workplace or whatever. Mine were more in the workplace than at home. But, you know, there were times where, you know, things could get tough, you know, disagreements come. But how you react can really actually affect the atmosphere of that place. You know, in um, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1, it says, you know, if someone says and disagrees with you, Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So sometimes we need to think about How do we respond? What words are we going to use? And also, what tone do we use it in? That can make a huge difference too. So we need to listen to ourselves and to the Holy Spirit and what's saying, what we're hearing. We need to observe what's happening in our own life and, and are our reactions and our attitudes affecting those around us. The third the second O stands for obey. We need to obey God's word and what he says about how, should, how we should be. Are we demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit? In Galatians 5.22, I read it before, the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Are we demonstrating and reflecting those things in our lives? 1 John 5.3 says, This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. So we need to love. We need to have love within us. It's the first fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And love comes from God. 
You know, I remember on our wedding invitation it said, where love is, there God is also. You know, it's, that's where he is, isn't it? He's love. So we need to be obedient and do our best to change where necessary. You know, do we need to be more patient? I know I do at times. <laughs> Malcolm will tell you that. <laughs> no, he's a great man. But, you know, we need to look at ourselves and look at, you know, how are we doing? Do we need to change what we are, who we are, or how we are showing that? And the K in the word look stands for keep because Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the springs of life. Now, to keep your heart with all diligence, you really need to keep your heart before God, close before God. Come to him daily. You know, we need to repent daily. We need to seek God daily. But keep your heart with all diligence. You know, when you're making decisions, pray about them. You know, when you're, you know, looking to help someone, even look at how is the best way I can do that. You know, sometimes... I can remember there's been odd moments where I was going to do something for someone and God said, don't. And it was more about the motivation than anything. So sometimes we even have to be aware about our motivation as to what we're doing or why we're doing it. So, you know, was the motivation to gain their love or their acceptance or whatever? Or was the motivation of doing something for them really because you wanted to give to them and help them? So the word look, when we're looking at ourselves, we need to look at ourselves, listen, observe, obey and keep our heart with all diligence. So my conclusion today is the question really is, how do you look? How do you look today? As you look at your face in the water, what do you see? You just really see the physical when we do that, whether it's water, whether it's the mirror, whatever. And as you look at your own inner self, what do you see? Are you seeing good things? Do you see what's truly in your heart? But more importantly, as others look at you, what do they see? Do they see Christ reflected in you? And so as we move from 2019 to 2020 in a couple of days' time, if you can make time in the next few days to reflect on this year and on your life over the last 12 months, and I had to laugh because we were out for dinner with friends last night and one of them said, oh, my gym trainer or whatever said, you know, reflect on the last 12 months and, you know, tell us what you're proud of. And she said, oh, how would I know what I was proud of? And I thought, sometimes reflection is hard because reflection, we have to be honest. It's no good reflecting if you're not going to be honest, you know, and honest about the good, the bad. As I said, some things are good. Sometimes people, and I know when I was working, you know, in regards to critical reflection, they always thought the word critical meant bad, that the bad things. But I had to keep explaining them to them that it wasn't that at all. Critical can be good. It's just looking at it in a manner that will show you the truth. And so over the next few days, try and make a little bit of time, even if it's half an hour, an hour, whatever it takes, a whole day, whatever it takes you to reflect on 12 months, and look at your life. 
And look at what changes you might need to make in order for Christ to be reflected through you and in you. You don't want to be like Einstein said, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get the same things. If you want to see change in your life, we need to make some changes. So as I said, Proverbs 27:19 says, "As in water face reflects face, so one's life reflects the heart." And I'm going to leave that question with you today. How do you look? Amen. Another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the streets. Should I ever need reminding? 